1991, a book came out when America told the truth. Now, I've referred to it in recent years because I, I don't necessarily like what it says, but I think it's a good reflection, and I've quoted from it because at the time, it's the most comprehensive study on morality here in the United States that had been done to date. And morality, to me, is always a big deal. The big issue, it's the foundation of how we as people and we as a community and a nation can function. So, looking at this again most recently, the findings that I saw were, hadn't changed any, they were not encouraging. The study discovered as they surveyed folks, thousands of them in fact, that 91% of the folks say they lie on a regular basis. Hmm, 86% lie to their parents. Not our kids here, of course. 75% lie to their friends. 69% lie to their spouse. Not this group, I'm sure. Those findings raise two very important questions for me. Uh, number one is, what percentage of the folks surveyed lied to the people who took the survey? <laughs> All right, kind of questions then. But secondly, a more serious question, if that survey was done in the 1990s, What's it look like today? Things getting better? Uh, it doesn't seem to, in my opinion. Well, it gets even worse than that. Study after study since then, not the one I just referred to, but other studies, show there's virtually no difference between believers and non-believers. Believers, believers we're find, we find, are just as likely to cheat on their taxes as non-believers. Believers cheat on their spouses just as much as non-believers. Ouch. And believers are just as likely to bribe someone so they can get a building permit as all the rest of society. It would seem in our society there's a giant lack of integrity. I don't like that. But it does perhaps explain in part the problems that we're having in our world today. Maybe that's why we're skeptical so much of the time. Maybe that's why we have trouble trusting other folks. We just simply aren't sure. Maybe that's why we have trouble trusting other folks, have trouble believing the truth, even when it's presented to us, because there seems to be such a lack of integrity in our society today. Well, that's discouraging, isn't it? Definition of integrity. I've shared it before, but I like this one particularly. Integrity is defined as what you do when no one is looking. You see, integrity is about having an honesty and a, a solid moral compass. And it does seem we have a lack of integrity all around us. Well, this morning I want to share with you a story in the life of a great Jewish king from about 3,000 years ago. A guy named David. He was described as a man of integrity in so many words in 1 Samuel 13, 14, where it says David was a man after God's own heart. And his story that we're going to look at today is recorded in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. And I'm hoping that perhaps we can learn some important and helpful lessons from him. But give you a little background about this guy, first of all. Incredible man. We find early on in the story that David is secretly anointed to be the next king of Israel by Samuel, the prophet of God. Anointing was the process. They'd take olive oil, mix a little um, perfume kind of stuff in it, and they would literally pour it on top of the guy. 
but it was reserved only for kings and prophets as a way of designating them. That's what its purpose. David was anointed, but no one knew it. It was a secret. Well, nothing happened right away, but it wasn't long before David was put into the King Saul's service to play soothing music for the king when he had his fits of rage, which were becoming more frequent. Well, it turns out David was more than just a musician. He was also a pretty darn good soldier. He took out the giant Goliath, and Goliath was nine foot nine inches tall. Nine foot nine, big dude. And David then commanded the Jewish armies victory after victory after victory against their enemies. Boy, David, he was good. Unfortunately, Saul became jealous of David's success rather than be grateful for it. And Saul was convinced David was going to lead a rebellion. Well, nothing was further from the truth. I mean, David was faithful to Saul, and he continued to be faithful to Saul. Nonetheless, Saul wasn't convinced, and so he was bent on killing David. Well, that brings us to chapter 24 of 1 Samuel. And we read how Saul had gotten wind of where David's hiding out in the wilderness. So Saul, in his paranoia, puts together 3,000 of his best troops to go after David. Now, this was an elite force, 3,000 of them. Well, David kind of had a small band of mercenaries that he was in charge of, kind of like Robin Hood and his merry men, that kind of a thing. Well, Saul outnumbered David five to one. Well, Saul had kind of lost it at this point. He was so focused, so obsessed with killing David that everything got pushed aside. Well, the story continues with Saul pursuing David into a valley. And they settle in for the night, and Saul gets up one morning, and I guess he had one too many cups of coffee, so he needed to go into a nearby cave to take care of business. Well, wouldn't you know it, that's the very cave where David and his merry men were hiding. I mean, who could have orchestrated that one? Okay, Saul enters the cave without his bodyguards, because he thought it was safe. And he's in a rather compromised position at that moment, if you know what I mean. And there's David, oh boy. How easy it would be for David to take Saul's life, right? And David would have been justified in taking Saul's life, wouldn't he? I mean, after all, this is the guy who's trying to kill him. I mean, even David's men, his followers, encouraged him, saying, this is the opportunity. It's obviously God ordained him, bringing him in here to you. Come on, David, do it. God's delivered him into your hands, so you should do it. But here we go, punchline in part. David is a man of integrity. And he said, uh-uh, guys, uh-uh. This is the Lord's anointed king of Israel. I mean, it didn't matter that God's spirit had left Saul. It didn't matter what kind of man Saul was. He was still the man anointed by God to be the king of Israel. So David said, no, guys. No harm is going to befall Saul at my hand. So what did he do? He didn't do it, David. Why? David had integrity. Well, there are three important points that I want us to focus on regarding this integrity thing of David and how it applies to you and me. Integrity, we find, first of all, is truthful. Secondly, it is respectful. And thirdly, it's powerful. Look at this first one. Integrity is truthful. When we look at David, what do we see? 
We say we see that he does the right thing, not necessarily the easy thing. What would have been the easy thing? David kind of skip up behind Saul, and bang, King Saul is gone, and he would have been the new king, as he was anointed to be. That would have been the politically expedient thing to do, right? Because after all, given the chance, King Saul would have killed David in a heartbeat. Now, there are all kinds of ways that David could justify the taking of his life, right? In fact, if you and I would have been there, I wonder what we would have said. I mean, taking this guy out would actually bring joy to the world. It would have been a good thing. David could have stepped into the role of king and do a great job. I mean, after all, he had been anointed to do so by Samuel. No fuss, no must, be so easy. Come ahead 3,000 years ago, sitting in a pew in Hopkins, Minnesota. How easy is it for us to justify the routes that we take instead of the right route? Justify the easy route instead of the right route? Can we do it? That's a big question for you and for me this morning. When we look at a situation and we say, you know, I, I know what technically is the right thing to do, and I make all kinds of rationales of why it would be okay for me to do what I want to do. After all, I simply want to put up a simple little storage shed in my backyard. Okay, am I right? Just a simple little storage shed. I mean, does the HOA really need to know about that thing? I mean, honestly, they're going to just get a committee together and it's going to cost me twice as much. It's ridiculous, right? And then if the county finds out, then my taxes are going to go up. But if I just kind of tuck it in the back corner where no one can see it, no harm, no foul. How about you kids? Teacher assigns a 10-page paper on Thursday that's due on Monday. Unbelievable. I mean, the teacher even said, hey, guys, you know, I'm a bit sorry. I intended to tell you this paper was due. I intended to tell you early in the week last Monday, but I forgot. Sorry about that. But he doesn't change the due date. Arr. Now you're going to have to sit up all weekend doing a stupid paper. Hmm. I don't think so. There's something called the World Wide Web. So we're just going to dial up a paper here, and we're going to download it and customize it, of course, so that technically we're going to learn the information, which is, after all, the main point. And then we'll turn it in on Monday. Hmm. Integrity, my friends, is about doing the right thing, not necessarily the easy thing. Second thing we see, David is truthful, not Hurtful. You see, there is a difference. Take a look at 1 Samuel 24. This is, this is uh, uh, David talking to Saul there in the cave. Oh, my father, look at this. Look at this piece that I have cut from your robe. He had literally cut a piece of his clothing off of him while he's in that compromised position. And David's saying, take a look here, boss. Look at this thing. I could have cut you. I could have killed you. But I didn't. Look at the evidence. Do you see it? I'm not against you. I'm no rebel. I haven't sinned against you, and yet you're hunting me down to kill me. Oh, man. Well, a couple of things I want you to notice here. You see, David doesn't roll over, and he doesn't just come and apologize to Saul. It's all my fault, boss. 
I, I, I'm, I'm wrong, of course. What have I done? No, David stands up for himself. He speaks the truth. Everything he's saying there is absolutely true. He says, Saul, you know, I've really done nothing wrong. In fact, pal, I had you. You're lucky to be standing here alive, but I didn't do that. And yet you're trying to hunt me down? Come on. So what does it tell you about David? He's truthful, but not hurtful. He could have been, but he wasn't. He doesn't humiliate Saul. He doesn't name call. He speaks the truth. Why are you hunting me down? I could have and all that. He speaks the truth, but he does so in love. How's that apply to you and me? I mean, can you imagine how different our world would be if we would speak the truth in love? Not back down. Hopefully, as Christians, we do that, that we're able to stand our ground, but do so respectfully and lovingly. I mean, if we could be truthful, but not hurtful. I mean, if we could stop using our words as weapons, how good are we at that? If we would refrain from that, get even, I'm going to get you, buddy. I'm going to get revenge. You hurt me, I'm going to nail you if I can. Even though we feel justified if we were to do so. I mean, even if we're right, and we have the truth on our side, does that mean we can be mean-spirited in how we approach it? I mean, we can fact-checked on it, can't we? And then go on social media, we can humiliate them, right? Lucky hair, buddy. And, I mean, if we're feeling creative, we'll make a funny meme about them. <laughs> That'll fix them. No, 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 no. Integrity says we're going to be truthful. Don't back down from the truth of God's standards, God's word. All kinds of application in our world today, isn't it? But don't do it hurtfully. Secondly, integrity is respectful. And that kind of ties in with that last point. David is respectful about Saul's position. I mean, he's the king. He's the Lord's anointed one. Well, David may not respect Saul, and he's rightly afraid of him. I mean, Saul has this army, and he's going to try and kill him. David has great grounds to be afraid of him. But David respects Saul's position. Take a look at verse 6. Immediately... He, it's talking about David, felt guilty. What in the world was he guilty about? He said to his men, God forbid that I should have done this to my master, God's anointed. That's a big deal. My master, God's anointed. That I should so much as raise a finger against him, he is God's anointed. What's he talking about? I mean, David cuts that piece of Saul's robe off. I mean, he had humiliated Saul. It's pretty obvious. If he can do that, he could get up and slice his throat if he wanted to. I mean, how humiliating is that? I mean, you're taking a potty break and someone comes in and takes a piece of your clothing? Oh, oh, oh. But David's feeling guilty about doing this because here's the integrity part. He's the king. You shouldn't humiliate the king. David has respect for the position. Saul, not so much. Saul apparently had little or no integrity, right? But that's not what this is about. He's still the king. Okay, are you seeing some applications to 2023, our country, the world? I hope so. You see, no matter how much you like or dislike the president, or like or dislike your boss, or like or dislike your teacher, 
Integrity means you don't slip a whoopee cushion on their chair just before they sit down. Mm -mm -mm. How come I feel I just gave some of you an idea? We may not like the person, okay. We may disagree with the person, okay. But the position deserves respect. So we are respectful, not spiteful. We're respectful in that we may disagree with the person, but we're not going to be spiteful. There's not going to be a name-calling. There's not going to be humiliation. We're going to show respect for, the one, for one another, even when we disagree. You see, that's what integrity is all about. Thirdly, integrity is powerful. Now, we don't think of it in that terms, but I think as we look at what David did, I think you see how powerful it actually is. It's a powerful force. It things, it, it things in very powerful way. First and foremost, integrity affects us individually. How we feel about ourselves, our self-evaluation. I mean, take a look at David. What did he do? He confessed to his men. You know, I shouldn't have done this, guys. I mean, no matter how much you guys he's talking to, these are his supporters. These are the guys on his side. No matter how much you guys think that I should have, I didn't humiliate the king, or I did humiliate the king, and I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have done that. He confesses what he did. He owns it. And now he says, you know, guys, no harm will come to Saul under my watch. You know, my friends, no one has ever regretted doing the right thing. The right thing. And by that, I mean godly standards. Everyone regrets doing the wrong thing when they think about it, going, oh my, what did I do? No one's ever regretted when they did the right thing, when they knew it was right. Even when it was difficult for them to do what was right. No one has ever regretted that. But the same light, everyone who has done something wrong, no matter how justified they feel, no matter how much they rationalize, they don't feel good about it. You see, when we have integrity inside ourselves, right here, we have self-respect. Because we know that what we've done was motivated because it's the right thing, even if it wasn't the easy thing. Now, where's all this integrity and strength and doing the right thing come from? Well, it comes from the man who was the most, had the most integrity in all of history. Who's that? Jesus, of course. Because, you know, you and I are on the receiving end of his integrity. I mean, here's how Paul described Jesus' integrity to the church in Rome, Romans 5. He said, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were not deserving of anything, kind of the Saul, while we were like Saul, what happened? Christ died for us. Wow! While we were still sinners. Jesus could have walked away, couldn't he? And justifiably so. That would have been the easy thing. I mean, Jesus had every right to. I mean, there he is with God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And he looks down there at us. And he says, you know, these guys, they don't deserve a thing. Look at those guys. Man, alive. Are they messing up? But instead, what did he do? He chose to follow his Father's will and do the right thing. By that, I mean the thing his Father had asked him to do, to go no, we don't deserve what he did for us, do we? 
And no, we certainly can't earn that forgiveness and new life that he purchased for us on a murderer's cross. Jesus stepped into our place and gave his life for us purely out of love. It gets the gospel lesson today. John 3, especially verse 16. How well do you know that one? For God so loved the world in spite of the sin that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved. Why'd God do it? Love. And what that means for us is now that we are forgiven, we've got a new life. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, necessarily. Doesn't mean things are just going to magically go away. It doesn't. But it means we can have a self-respect because of what Jesus has done for us. And it means we can have a self-respect because of what Jesus has done for the world around us. We can have integrity in our lives in spite of the situation we find ourselves in. We may not be able to change the circumstances. We can't necessarily undo what's been done. But we can maintain godly standards and the attempt at living ways that are going to please God. It's powerful in us as it affects us. And as we do so, integrity has an effect on others. Not just with us and our self-respect, but David's men, they didn't agree with David, did they? They see this guy who's not been nice to them out to get him, and they're saying, get him, David, come on, do it, do it. They, should, they thought he should have taken Saul's life, but at that moment when David said, not going to do it, guys, what was their respect for David like? Kind of like a rocket ship. I mean, they're thinking... If David could show that much integrity to a man who was trying to kill him, I mean, David's followers couldn't help but think, I mean, how much more honestly, honestly and fairly he would treat them? And how about the effect on Saul, this integrity thing that David had? <laughs> Pretty phenomenal, the effect that David's integrity had on him. I mean, this is Saul talking to David. You're the one in the right. What? Not me. You've heaped good on me. What? Come on. I've dumped evil on you. And now you've done it again. Treated me generously. God put me in your hands and you didn't kill me. Wow. Saul, who was trying to hunt him down, admits, I haven't treated you well. And he goes on to say, by the way, David, you're going to be the next king, and you're going to be the better king than I was. Oh, come on. Did Saul really say that? That is a turnaround. Why? Because of David's integrity. It changed the heart of murderous Saul. Uh, yeah, it was short-lived. We know that. Saul went back to his old ways and went back to trying to kill David. It wasn't pretty, and things didn't end well for Saul. That's true. But at that moment, you can't take away from the fact that being face-to-face -face with that kind of honesty and integrity that David had is powerful. I'm thinking that might be part of the reason St. Peter wrote this to you and to me. It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you, Saul to David, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify whom? God on the day of visitation. That we should live lives of integrity. That followers of Jesus would be different from the rest of society. Are you guys different? Yeah, you are, really. I mean, wouldn't it be great if folks would say of the Christian, 
you and me. Those folks are cut from a different cloth, you know. That's why they say it in Minnesota, you know. They follow a different world compass. Man, is that important in our culture today. How incredible it would be that when people see the followers of Jesus, when they look at you, they say, we can trust them. We know they're going to be honest. We know they're going to treat us fairly. We don't have to be skeptical of those folks. Think about the impact you can have, the witness you can have just by simply being you and doing your life based on godly standards. I mean, how much could we change our society by having godly integrity? You know where it begins? Listen to this guy. It begins with you. It begins with me. It begins on an individual basis. Don't look around the room. Look inward. It begins by you and me saying now that I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to live a life of integrity. Integrity is truthful, it's respectful, and man, is it powerful. For us, we can have integrity in our lives. Powerful, it's powerful in us, and it's making an impact in the world in which we live. May God grant us such integrity for Jesus' sake. Amen.